0: Heavenly Father, I do pray, Lord, that it is our uh, purpose here this morning to seek the kingdom of God, to seek God first, to listen to his word, to obey it, to respond to it, to be blessed by it, to be challenged by it. And Lord, we just ask you, God, to speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We're going to have the choir come in just a minute. To, uh, to sing a song, but before they do, if you'll turn to John chapter 16. We're going to be talking about the, the work of the Holy Spirit today. Um, that's where 1 John chapter 3 kind of delves into. Um, and the choir is going to uh, sing a, a great song about trusting the word of God. And there's a lot of teachings in the world today concerning the Holy Spirit. A lot of man's uh, feelings and opinions about what the Holy Spirit does and how the Holy Spirit works. Um, And and many times um, the Holy Spirit is taught that it works independently apart from God and that you'll have a word from God and a word from the Holy Spirit and they don't line up and we tend to, well, the Spirit told me to do this, and God told me to do this, and I just felt like God said to do this. The the Holy Spirit will always line up with the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit, the job is to kind of confirm what the Bible already says. And so if you look at John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit is coming after he leaves. And he says, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the first thing Jesus says, it helps us. It's an advantage to have the Holy Spirit. Now remember, when, when Jesus walked on the earth, you would think, well, that would be greater. Wouldn't it be great just to have Jesus standing there telling us? And then we'd know for sure it was from him. And yet, in these last days, God has made it more advantageous to us in that we have his written word and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us so that it confirms that the written word is true. You see, when Jesus was on the planet, if you weren't standing in the garden listening, then you weren't hearing what he had to say. And when he was at the temple and you were in the garden, you weren't hearing what he had to say. But now through the miracle of the Holy Spirit, God can speak to the entire body of Christ at the same time. There are churches all across this country opening up this word today and they're hearing as if Christ was right there speaking to them. Then it says in verse 8, "When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment." So that word convict, we we look at the word convict as guilt. But the word convict is really a word that means to convince you of something, that you are assured of something. We sang purposely the song today, "Blessed Assurance." And so the Holy Spirit works to convince us of sin, of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. You see, if we are not convinced that we are sinners, there's no reason to seek after God. There's no reason to go. A world that is righteous has no need of a savior. A person that feels as if, well, that's not bad. A, that's not bad a thing. I'm really not that bad a person. I'm a pretty good person. I, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good that's not good enough. But if you're convinced that you are are, a wretched sinner and that in your flesh dwells nothing good and that without Christ, all our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. And so what the Holy Spirit does, it convinces us that we need the Savior. And that works through your conscience. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. So without christ here we have to be convinced of the holy spirit that not only we are wrong and sinful but that christ is righteousness in the holy spirit how do you know that you're a sinner and christ is right if we can't see him faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things what not seen so how do you know and i know you've been asked this question how do you know god is real how do you know the bible's true that's the Holy Spirit. It convinces me. I know it. I remember the day I was saved. I remember it. And that's what changed in me most of all. I went from wondering if there was a God to knowing it. Convinced through the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ was the Son of God in the way of salvation. And that wasn't of my own. Faith was a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is Is judged. So through the Holy Spirit, I know I'm a sinner. I know God is right, and I know the what is right and wrong in the world. God gives me that through the Holy Spirit that that uh, gift of being able to judge and discern what is right and wrong. Verse twelve says, "I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when the Spirit of Truth has come, He will guide you in all." truth can you say that with me he will guide you in all truth he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you the things to come he will glorify me he will take what is mine and declare it to you all the things the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare it to you the holy spirit will always agree with christ so if you have a thought or a feeling and that thought or feeling is opposite of the scripture it is not from the holy spirit it is a mocking of the holy spirit and it is satan trying to steal your heart by pretending to be an angel of light so how do you know whether that thought or that movement or that unction is from god or the spirit check your bibles check your bibles trust in his word and that's the song and at the choir you can come up this time and they're going to sing a song from the hymn book just called trust the word and it's a beautiful song written by a fellow named ron hamilton and uh what number is it miss carlos if you want to follow along and and see the words to the song it's 294 in your hymn chapter 3 as we look into the word that we're want to trust we trust the Holy Spirit will guide and direct the truth this morning and in 1st John chapter 3 we've been dealing with the proofs of your faith and we talked a few weeks ago about the idea of purity your desire to want to do good your uh, conviction of sin That is a proof that the Holy Spirit indwells you. Last week we talked about your love for the brethren. Your love for one another is proof. And verse 17 goes on to say, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 1 John 3, 17. So this takes the idea of love a little bit just a little step further in that if you truly have love for your brethren or for your fellow man and you see them in need and you have the ability to help them and you are not compelled remember it says in 2 Corinthians 5.14 the Apostle Paul says the love of Christ compels me and there is an unction a movement of the Holy Spirit to desire to help we see that plenty around here through servant's heart through Nineveh through food boxes through shoe boxes this that that earnest desire and need to see those in need be helped and the bible says if you are a christian truly filled with the holy spirit and you can see someone in need have the ability to help them and you don't there's a disconnect between you and god and the holy spirit you may not have the ability to help but you can still have the desire and the want to verse 18 says my little children let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth the world would say it like this your actions speak what louder than words and we certainly see that in the scriptures within the Bible Um, I read some verses last night with the Nineveh group on Matthew 25 where Jesus speaks to the he separates the the sheep from the goats, and he says to the sheep, uh, "You are righteous because you fed me and gave me drink, and 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 gave me a, a shelter." And they looked at it, Jesus and said, "When did we do that?" And he says, "When you fed the least of these, you have what? You fed me. When you've done it to and you've given drink to the least of these, you gave me drink." And so there's that idea as the body of Christ that this ability to help this ability to give uh, certainly is the part of the salt and the light that we are supposed to be on this planet. And if you don't have that, it changes in you. We we are, I don't, I am anyway, but I think human nature is naturally self-centered. Would you agree with that? We, we kind of, um, the world kind of revolves around us and we get offended easily when people don't they didn't thank me or they didn't say this to me or I didn't get the last cookie or things like that and we tend to get a little in our flesh with the Holy Spirit that was a huge change in me uh, to look to the needs of others that's not something that's a natural John Flanagan trade but it has become part of the spiritual character that is in John Flanagan and that's not me at all and so that's it. In fact, Matthew five thirty-eight through 42 tells us if someone asks you to go a mile, what do you do? You go the extra mile. If someone takes your jacket, you give him your shirt also. There's Those verses are very uh, extreme in how God looks at giving. And basically he says if anyone asks you, you are to do what? To give. Uh, we have... A benevolent ministry here at the church, and we do very little, if any, investigating on the needs of those who come and ask us. And because the verse says, if anyone asks you to give to them, and we have, you know, we just looked over our finances from two thousand and nineteen as the year ended, and I don't know how many years in a row, we have come. From the year's budget, just about uh, this, I think this last year we were five or six thousand in the black. And then some years were about a thousand or two thousand in the red. Other years were three or four thousand in the black. But it seems like for 20 years it's always been the same. And we have learned something that you really can't outgive God. If He wants you to give, it's His money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and He provides. And We don't add it up. We don't count it. But I will tell you as your pastor, because you do all the work, um, the amount of giving to the needy and and to those who have needs from this little body, it's incredible. I don't know how much of our budget is actual just giving, but it's quite a bit. And I want to commend you for that because you – Truly, have been an example of these two verses uh, for uh, almost two decades now, and, and long before that. So, so praise God. But it is a a evidence of the Holy Spirit within you. Your that desire to give and help others that comes from the Holy Spirit. If you can see someone in need, and and I I don't give to every person that that stands in front of a supermarket, right? Or stands on a corner asking. But I also don't dismiss everyone either. You know, you just have to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And uh, so that's what the Holy Spirit will do for us. Um, Look at verse 19, because this is really what we want to talk about this morning. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. And so verse 19 deals with knowing that we are of the truth. And I want to ask you a personal question, but I don't you don't have to answer it out loud. But on a on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you are a Christian? On a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that if you die today, you would be absent from the body and present with the Lord? And we have given you over the last few weeks examples of how the Holy Spirit works in a believer. He guides you in all truth. Uh, you will have conviction of sin. You will have a love for your brethren. And you will have a love and desire to help those in need. Those are evidences. I will tell you those things were not part of me before I was a Christian. Um, they have become a part of me uh, over the last few 40 years of my christian walk um now the doubts that may come to you about your salvation there's many reasons that they might be there it doesn't indicate that you're not a christian but if you don't know that you know then there's a disconnect you have quenched the holy spirit in some way or you have not yet received the holy spirit does that make sense And so you'll have to examine your Christian walk as we walk through these verses. But the Bible says in verse 19, by this we can know. I put on your paper uh, Romans 8, uh, 15 and 16. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you have given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're not supposed to spend the rest of your life worrying about whether or not it's going to be taken away from you. The Bible says you are sealed until the day of redemption. The Bible says that you have an inheritance reserved in heaven for you kept by the power of God. The Bible says that you are in the palm of the hand of the Father and no one will ever pluck you out of my Father's hand. And so we have verse after verse after verse that should alleviate the fear of you losing the salvation that God has given you as a free gift. Remember if you didn't earn it Amen? We understand that. We did not earn it that is not of works Ephesians 2 then if you don't earn it it makes no sense that you can do anything to have it taken away the Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God no created thing and so that includes you you can't and so we want to have this assurance and that assurance comes from the spirit you did not receive the spirit for bondage and fear the truth will set you Free. And what you're free from is the worry that you will have to pay for your sins. We sang the great hymn today that God's grace is greater than our sins. And where sin abounds, the Bible says what? Grace more abounds. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? So grace may abound? God forbid. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If you truly are a believer and you have the Holy Spirit, you should not be able to sin with a clear conscience. It just won't happen. And so we have this blessed assurance. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll take all of these verses and put them together. And this is really a beautiful portion of Scripture. It kind of lays it out more clearly. Hebrews 10, verse 22 really interesting I was um, done with the sermon the sermon was all done the notes were in and then um, I went to a men's breakfast and, and uh, Ron Croft was speaking at the breakfast and he said used to be a pastor and uh, Mariposa he's married to Debbie Croft who is the head of alpha and so Pastor Rick and I went because we enjoy hearing him and sitting and visiting with him. And so he shared these verses yesterday. And I, I don't always like when God does that. Because you have the sermon all ready to go. And then you hear a verse and you go, oh, that. And that goes right. So, um, But this says this. Verse 22 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Whew, not a good verse. What happened when Jesus died on the cross in the temple? The curtain tore. And the Bible says we can now come boldly to the throne of grace. You should be able to have a clear conscience as far as your sins being forgiven and washed away. Now, we will have the conviction of sin daily. When we are walking outside the will of God. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. That gift of God is yours. And you should have no doubts about that. That should have been taken away. That worry. I know when I die. I'm absent from the body and present with the Lord. I know that. Look at verse 23. So let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering he who promised is faithful well who promised you eternal life god is god faithful did you know the bible says it's impossible for god to lie and god says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that that is risen from the dead you will be saved The god says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what If you believe in him, say amen. Amen. Then if you're not going to heaven, God is a liar. And it's impossible for God to lie. I understand that when you look in the mirror, if you're like me, you do not see a person worthy of eternal life. But God does not see you that way. He sees you through the blood of Christ. And those sins are washed as white as snow as far as the east is from the west so these verses tell you you can enter that throne with full assurance holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering why don't we waver not because we're good not because we're worthy but because the one who made the promise is jesus christ and his promises are always true and if he tells you you have eternal life, you're just going to have to get over that. You have eternal life. And you can debate with him and argue with him now until the day you die, but you're going to heaven, whether you can believe it or not. We tend, if you're like me, if it's too good to be true, then what? It's too good to be true. And you're taught that since you were little. Man, do I have a deal for you. Ah, I don't want to hear it already shut my eyes and ears to it cuz it's too good to be true. I've been burned too many times, but Jesus Christ is faithful. Now look at verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Do you see when you have that assurance and that knowledge and uh Art brought up a really good point in Sunday school today about the studying of scripture. In hearing, how'd you put it, the character of God or the, the the attributes of God, and the more you know about them, the more you fall in love, and the more you are just so thankful. And when you become that person, confident and assured in the Holy Spirit of your forgiveness from Christ and your sins being washed away, then you are compelled by that love to share it. With others to let them know. But here's the problem the doctrine that somehow you've got to hang on to this salvation and not lose it, or you've got to work on your growth all the time, you don't have time for other people. If I had to continually earn this salvation and hang on to it, I I don't have time to help other people. I got to work on myself. And, and grow and I, I'm sure I don't know how many times when, I, when we've talked to people about serving God or going to church they've had a very similar statement to this well preacher I just I'm, I gotta get my life straight I gotta get my life right You know, I just don't feel like I'm worthy to do that I don't feel like I'm I, I just gotta wait till I'm you're never gonna be that way that's the whole point of this whole beautiful Christian message that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and while we're yet sinners, He will use us for His glory and for His purpose. Don't wait till you're qualified. Larry read the verses today. God uses the the weak things and the base things, and and that qualifies me. If God was looking for anything other than weak and base and foolish, I could not pastor. But when I read that verse, and that's what He's looking for, that's my whole resume weak and base and foolish perfect I'm right there for you because it works out for Christ very well because if he accomplishes anything through a weak and base person then he gets all the glory and it's perfect uh, let's go back to first John chapter 3 verse 20. Beloved, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So we are learning in this verse, this is really important, that where Satan really messes with your mind is not in your mind. He messes with your heart. Because there, if, if I tell you that you cannot lose your salvation. Many times the response will be, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't feel like it. To me, I feel like, well, there you have that that phrase that you should never ever use when dealing with scripture. And that is these two very dangerous words that Satan uses every day. And they are the words, I feel. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what you know. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Trust me, most of the time I don't feel like I'm a very good Christian. And if my relationship with God was always based on how I felt day to day, I'd be in trouble because I'm... Right? Jeremiah 17.9, what's it say about your heart? It's wicked and deceitful above all things. Have you ever done something, and while you were doing it, you knew it was wrong, but you kept on doing it? Why? Why did you keep on doing it? If you knew it was wrong, why did you keep on doing it? And the only answer to that question is, because you felt like it. I didn't feel like turning the other cheek this time. I felt like slapping the other cheek. (laughs) Right? And so these verses have to deal with the heart. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. If you're a Christian today but you're not sure you're a Christian, you don't really feel like you're really close to God, I don't really feel the presence of the Lord in my life, I don't feel, but you have asked Him to be your Lord and Savior and you believe that He is real and you know He's real, but you're just feeling distant from Him, you're still going to heaven. Because God is greater than your heart. He's greater than your heart. Now, our conscience, as you read these verses, if you read it, Verse 21, Beloved, of our heart does not condemn us. We have confidence towards God. Turn, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 14. Because here's what the Holy Spirit also does. The Bible says to him, To knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So again, you know to do right. This is where I struggle sometimes, where I get... An unction from the Holy Spirit to call somebody or visit somebody and then my mind comes up with all my heart really comes up with all kinds of reasons why it might go bad if I call this person or talk to this person well John chapter 14 it's really beautiful it's in uh, verse um, 22 Romans 14 I'm sorry Romans 14 22 um, it's talking about faith and it says, Romans 14, 22. Do you have faith? If you do, say yes. yes. Then have it to yourself before God. Happy is the man who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever's not of faith is sin. So you are going to walk every day with Decisions about what is right and wrong to do. The best example of this, I had a a friend years ago who um, we were in bowling together, and we were in these little tournaments, and they were doubles, and you would always go to the next level, the next level. You win the local, you go to the regional, and we had made the state finals. But the state finals were in San Francisco and they just happened to be on a Sunday afternoon. I thought it would be a great day to go to San Francisco, visit with my brother, and then bowl in the afternoon. He could not bowl on a Sunday. It was just against everything that he thought. He just thought it was evil and wrong to bowl on Sunday. Uh, I convinced him that it was not I convinced him that we could drive up early go to church in the morning and bowl in the afternoon and, and still worship the Lord and there'd be nothing wrong with it well up until this moment he was carrying the whole team I was not very good and he was amazing and we got to that Sunday and there was 50 teams there and we finished 50th because he could not, he was, every shot he threw was, and I was wrong to ask him to do that. Because whatever is not of what? Faith is sin. It says, happy is the man who is, does not condemn himself and what he approves. We're grown-ups, all of us, even the, the youngsters that are here, they're, they're strong enough in the word, and I've talked to you enough to know that you know when you shouldn't do something don't we we know when it doesn't feel right and so what we're trying to do is is hone in to the Holy Spirit of God through prayer and study and meditation all thy ways acknowledge God and he will what he'll direct your path and you acknowledge him but what we do is we don't acknowledge him because he might say no but we really want to do it I'll ask forgiveness and not permission you ever heard that statement It's not in the Bible. And so we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And and, in that moment, if I knew my Bible better 35 years ago when this happened, I I would have not caused my brother to stumble, which is exactly what I did. I asked him to do something that was wrong. And so that's how the Holy Spirit kind of works and drives us. Uh, and let's go back to 1 John 3 we'll close with these last couple verses uh, but it's this idea if our heart condemns us God is greater than our heart remember the, the Satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking me to devour the Bible says in Revelation he accuses us all day long and, and we're told in, in the Bible that we're in Ephesians I think it is that we're supposed to put on that whole armor of God and, and stand against the wiles of the devil He wants to trick you into thinking you're lost. He wants to trick you into thinking that you're... And and we have to balance it. Because the Holy Spirit does convict us of sin. But sometimes Satan convinces you you're not saved. God doesn't love you. He's not there. He's got no future for you. That he's done with you. That you have committed the unpardonable sin. And all of those things are lies. Deceit. And you have to get into your word and find the truth. Because if you're not reading the scripture in your word, then you are very vulnerable to all of these little fiery darts and thoughts that come to your head. And you have to differentiate the spirit from the lies. So we'll close with that part of it. Verse 22. It says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments And do those things that are pleasing to his sight. So there's a connection in scripture all the way through that. When you are in the scriptures, in the word, and in the Holy Spirit, then your prayers get answered. Not because you're getting rewarded, but because what you ask for changes. Does that make sense? We begin to ask things that please God because we are in the mode of pleasing God. Instead of asking for a boat, we ask for needs for a missionary or that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with the boat, by the way. Um, <laughs> and this is his commandment. All right. So let's keep the first commandment of God. Let's see what it is. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Okay. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your... He repeats that same thought here. First thing God wants you to do. Well, I don't know what God's will is for me. Yes, you do. God's will for you is to believe on his name. Okay, what else? Love one another. All the other commandments fall into that place. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie. Those come under loving your neighbor. Have no other God before us. Have no false idols. That comes under the love of God. So they all, they they come to be. Look at verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. John 15 says, if your word abides in you, then you will abide in Christ. So it's through his word. So the Holy Spirit and the word of God work together. So God's number one commandment is to believe in him. Look at John 6, 28 and 29. It's on your paper. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? They wanted to do miracles. And Jesus said, this is the work of God. Believe in him whom he sent not just for salvation, but believe him when he says, study to show yourself unto proven unto God. Believe him when he says, turn the other cheek. Believe him when he says, soft answer turns away wrath. Believe him when he says, given it shall be given unto you. Believe him when he says these things that don't seem like they make sense. But God's ways are not man's ways. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be baptized. Did you know that? The Ethiopian was walking with Philip, and he said to Philip, You know, what hinders me from getting baptized? And he says, Oh, you have to believe. And he says, Well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Guess what they did? They got out. I've had a lot of people say to me over the years, I'm just not ready to get baptized yet. If you're born again, you're ready to get baptized, you're ready. And if you're not, then you're not trusting that salvation. But if you know you're saved, step, follow that step of obedience and get baptized. I, I waited a long time. I waited months to get baptized. It wasn't until I reconnected with Liz that I did. And uh, I remember one thing that drove me to the ministry was when I got baptized, I had this sense of peace that God was pleased with me. And it was the first thing I ever did from the time I was saved when I got baptized, it was the first thing I did that I didn't want to do because I was nervous because I didn't know the people. It was at Liz, Liz's church that she was going to. And it was i was really hard. And I kind of tried to get out of it and wiggled my way, but I did it. And it was the first time I did something for God that I didn't want to do. And the sense of God being pleased with me was so overwhelming that I've, I've been chasing that ever since. Chasing that that sense of God being pleased with me. And it drove me right to a pulpit eventually. And, and my prayer is that it'll drive me to stand before him Sunday and have him say, well done. That's what I'm chasing. It's the only thing I'm chasing. The third thing he wants you to do is just study and obey his word study and obey his word there was a guy named Josiah he was the king of Israel and after a long time of Israel's disobedience uh, Josiah decided he was going to clean out the temple and so he sent some men and gave them some finances to clean the temple out and as they were cleaning out one of the, the, the priests found a old book of the law and Josiah was only probably about 18 or so at this time And he dusts off the book of the law and begins to read it. And he begins to to come under... The Bible says he tore his clothes because he realized there were so many things they weren't doing. And the Bible says he stood and gathered everyone together and read from Genesis to the end of Deuteronomy. Just read it to the people. And they came under obedience to the word. Do those three things. Give your life to Christ as Lord and Savior follow him in the obedience of baptism and then study and obey his word everything else falls into place the Holy Spirit will direct you and guide you everything falls into place so I'll ask you once again on a scale of 1 to 10 how sure are you of your salvation alright if it's below 10 then there's some work to do and that work is through the study and prayer God will give you that assurance i can't give it to you there's no four-step approach to it Uh, it only comes from the holy spirit and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing heavenly father we thank you lord for your word we thank you god for all that you have done for us and we just pray god that you would bless um, each and everyone here if anyone is struggling with this full assurance and knowledge of their salvation Lord, everything changes when you have that part of your life taken care of. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, intervene and draw them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Silas, if you guys would come, we're going to do Seek Ye First, the Kingdom of God. And uh, after we sing this, we will go to uh, communion after that. After we sing these songs, if you need to go, we certainly understand. If you can stay for communion, we will have. Uh, communion right after we just sing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let's stand as we've seen this morning. You can be seated if you prefer to, but let's stretch a little bit. This little chorus is so simple, but it really is the whole message we just talked about. God first, scripture first.
1: and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Hallelujah, Alleluia. Man shall not live by bread. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, alleluia. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by Proceeds from the mouth of God. Allelu, Alleluia.
0: All God's people said? Amen. If you're staying for communion, you may have a seat. If you need to go, we certainly understand and have a God-blessed uh, a blessed day. If you do stay, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 11. When we look at the extent and the broken body and the shed blood, you know, if, you, if you really think about what crucifixion is and of all the ways to die and pay for our sins, that that was the methodology that Christ chose, um, there could be only one reason for it, and that is to show the depth of his love for us. Uh, how far he would go and remember that Romans 5 8 that Jesus demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ was crucified for us the Bible says died for us but let's just think about how he died which is the purpose of coming to the table isn't it to think about that broken body and that shed blood understanding he was innocent He was innocent. Um, Over the years, um, I've seen a lot of movies, and and there's only one type of movie that I can't watch. I just can't watch, other than scary movies because I'm a chicken. But other than that, there is – I cannot even stand watching a movie where an innocent person is guilty and you have to wait for an hour and a half for them to, like, you know – I, it just bothers me. It go, It just really. So I don't really like watching him. And so, but the only truly innocent man there ever has walked this planet is Jesus Christ, and he paid the, the 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 most egregious price for us. And so that love of Christ for you should be assured to you by the cross. If you doubt Christ's love for you, that's what. He says to do when we come here, do this in remembrance of me, to never forget how much he loves you because Satan's going to throw darts at you and try to convince you he doesn't love you. Isn't that what he did with Eve? Yeah, did he really say? Oh, he just, he just wants you, he doesn't want you to be like him. Those thoughts go through our head in the same manner. So I'm going to ask, Dave, can you come help us this morning? And Larry, and uh, we will, uh, you know, the, the The Bible says, verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11, that whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of Christ. Um, Satan will try to convince you that you're unworthy to take this this morning. Oh, because I'm mad at this person or I didn't do this. But the only way you are unworthy is if you're not truly born again. If you think that taking uh, grape juice and eating a piece of bread saves you, it doesn't. That's not why you're coming. And remember, the Corinthians had the whole thing really backwards. And so the next verse says, Let every man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Um, For he who eats in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body if you are not a christian and you're just doing this for religious uh you know proclamation or to make yourself look good it's better if you don't take it because if you if you i would hate to give you a false security you know i want you to be assured of your salvation but i wouldn't i never want you to 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 believe you're saved just because i say you are or because you drink juice does that make sense to everybody all right so examine your life with christ Even if you're struggling a little bit, you can still remember and thank him for what he did for you. But it doesn't save you. So I'm going to ask um, Larry if you would ask the blessings on the bread, please. human nature to continually ask god for a sign that he's there a sign that he loves us a sign that we're saved and uh the disciples did at times the apostles would ask and and pharisees would ask and, and jesus response was the only sign you need is the sign of jonah that the son of man will be uh in the ground three days and then he'll rise again if if the cross is not enough uh then you'll never find anything else that will satisfy you uh, to be convinced of his love for you and this is why he he invites us and instructs us to take part in this ceremony so that we'll never forget verse 24 says when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me Uh, Dave, can you ask the blessings on the cup, please? broken body reminds us of his love for us and the extent that he would go to and that our sins are paid for the wages of sin is death and that broken body the blood reminds us that our sins have been washed away covered by christ's blood washed by christ's blood and so that should bring us to a ten, to know that 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 what he did for us is to give you that knowledge that you're saved to the extent that he would he would go to. So in the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Matthew 26.30 says, after they had ate, they sang a hymn and they went out. So let's stand and just sing the first stanza of amazing grace and we'll be dismissed God's people said, have a great day. God bless you.